0: We are back with the Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast. I am so excited. I'm amped. It's just like my old days when I was about to go out on a rugby field, but um, I'm not going out on a rugby pitch. I am speaking to Chris Napier. Chris, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, I would like to thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. For those of you listening who don't know who Chris is... Chris is going to tell us, Chris, tell us, who are you?
1: Um, so I'm a physiotherapist, uh, based in Vancouver, Canada. Um, I work in uh, private practice have a, a clinic, uh, in downtown Vancouver, uh, where I treat, uh, primarily runners, uh, anywhere from sort of recreational up to elite and professional. Uh, I'm also a researcher uh, at the University of British Columbia and Simon Fraser University, where I do research on uh, running injuries, um, training load, and uh, wearable technology. Um, and I'm also a runner myself. Uh, I I come from a middle distance background, uh, competed at sort of a national level, I guess, uh, growing up through high school and university, um, at, uh, middle distance events, 800 meters was my specialty. And then, uh, once I sort of, uh, slowed down and got older and, uh, had different priorities, I, I moved up to the marathon, um, thinking I was just going to do one, of course, Yeah, of course. <laughs> and, uh, got hooked and now I'm, hmm. uh, nine, nine marathons, uh, into it now, 90. uh, I was supposed to be over in London earlier this year, yep. um, and I was, uh, really sad to, to miss that opportunity but uh now I'm just trying to maintain some fitness and focus and uh, hope to get out there when they run it again next October
0: yeah I hope to see you there so I was supposed to run as well um Ian Griffiths do you know Ian Griffiths I do yeah. yeah so he's been on the pod he was uh he was uh baiting me earlier this year so we before before covid we, we went on a run and we were doing a project together and he said uh he was looking forward to me you and um Derek uh, going head to head, um, on, on, in London. <laughs> so yeah. your PB well, 233. There were a others
1: it? who were due to run it as well. Um, uh, Rich Willie was going to be running it. Yeah. Uh, because he was coming over to speak and, uh, Alex Hutchinson as well. Yeah. Um, and Alex was, was getting into marathon shape for it. Um, and, uh, if, if he's anywhere near, marathon shape he'd blow all of us away I'm sure
0: but oh, really okay um, but it, yeah it would have
1: been a good group for
0: sure amazing yeah so 2021 here we go it'll all be yeah. the, the physios and uh the scientists Alex Hutchinson all going for it um so yeah, yeah looking forward to that um so I think we need to know your your pb 233 <laughs> is that right 233 yeah, nice. yeah.
1: Berlin amazing <laughs> it's getting a bit old now it was about five years ago uh hold on to it i'm still hoping to crack that 230 mark amazing yeah so i I,
0: i'm 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 training and i'm gonna keep keep going and i'm looking forward to to october also uh 2021 and fingers crossed um London will happen um you do some amazing things and i as a physiotherapist like i have always thought Oh, it'd be great to, to to speak to you, and I'm getting the chance to. So I think I'm ticking off one of those things on your bucket list. Um, it's really exciting to have you on, just because of um, I think your your research background and everything you do, um, and and you you run hard. So um, I always admire that. So um, I wanted today to to kind of break down um, strength. I'm a big advocate of of strength work and. Um, just to give you some insight on my thought process around strength work with runners um, so that the listeners know, you know, as a physiotherapist, what, what I like to, to, to do with runners I see. Um, I like to get runners um, to build a foundation of strength. Um, sometimes I find when somebody comes to see me, they haven't really done any strength work um, apart from body weight. So I will take them into the gym and get them to lift um, some some heavy weight and and. I utilize that as a foundation and build from there. Um, so, Chris, what I'd like to ask you is, um, what, what do you, as you know, you're, you're there, do, you know, analyzing the research, what do you feel um, the research says in terms of strength work and what do you do with some of your runners?
1: Yeah, so it's a good question, and it's always a good uh, debate, um, good topic to discuss. Um, because as runners, we're sort of hardwired to avoid the gym. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, I'm a runner, and um, I, I'm you know, I, I've never been a fan of uh, essentially what turns out to be sort of sacrificing running time for for heading to the gym because um, we all lead busy lives and. Um, you know, if, if I had the opportunity to run more miles, I probably would. Um, but I think there is, uh, an important role for strength training. Um, and I think it, it depends a bit on what your, uh, goal is. I think if you, if you're injured, um, then obviously it has to be a bit more focused, um, and you should follow the advice of your physiotherapist. Um, and, and it would be you know, more focused and graded, um, and progress for the, for the injury. Um, if your goal is injury prevention, um, you know, I think the research is coming along there. Um, but we're still not there yet to show that, uh, it can prevent injuries. Um, I think, uh, generally, um, it's something that runners lack, um, because they don't spend much time in the gym. And if they do, um, they probably don't do the heavy lifting that you're talking about. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, typically runners will, um, or traditionally they've done more high rep, low weight. Um, so body weight and that sort of thing, as you mentioned, um, but, uh, from an injury prevention point of view, and, and certainly from a performance point of view, uh, it's really important to get a different stimulus than running gives you. Uh, and so, you know, running gives you that high frequency, low rep, uh, low weight, low resistance, um, stimulus already. And, uh, if you're going to spend time in the gym, you should get a different stimulus and that should be, um, that heavy weight, heavy resistance stimulus. Nice. Um, and I think also we want to consider what tissues you're targeting. So if you're, uh, if you're really aiming to, um, if you're a distance runner and you're aiming to, um, improve your running economy, then you're going to get most bang for your buck by targeting the tendons. Uh, and the reason for that is just, uh, you know, tendons are all about energy storage and return. And when you, um, when you stiffen up a tendon by, by doing the, the heavy, slow resistance training, um, you create um, more ability for that tendon to store energy and release it from stride to stride. And so uh, if you think about something like the Achilles tendon, uh, when you land, that Achilles stretches out. Um, and then it rebounds back, um, to give you, uh, up to 50% of the, the work you need to do nice. to the next ride. So it's quite significant. So yeah. if you're going to spend time in the gym, uh, with the goal of, um, improving your performance, um, through running economy, then you should be spending time on stiffening up those tendons and especially the Achilles tendon.
0: Wow. Okay. So just a few things there. I'm completely opposite to you. I would rather go to the gym than do some more miles. <laughs> 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 okay. I think I think that just comes from like as a child playing rugby as I was talking about and just some certain sports you'd be in the gym and it's like the the stimulus from the gym I get I, I tend to get a better sensation on the road um so that's just my, my my kind of caveat and I guess that's where my bias comes in um and what what um specific exercise improved the tendon um energy return? By 50%, was it squats or was it calf raises or? No, no, so, um,
1: so when, when looking at the, the work, uh, done to, um, sort of power you from stride to stride, um, the Achilles tendon, there are some studies that have shown that the Achilles tendon, um, provides up to 50% of the, the, um, the work needed to power into the next stride. Um, so it wasn't looking at specific studies that have sort of done strengthening programs to do that, but okay. we know that if we increase the stiffness of the tendon, um, that's going to increase your energy return. And I, I, I'm going to show you. I can show you an example here, and I, I stole this from uh, Keith Barr, who does a much better job of explaining this than I'm about to. But nice. Um, if if we picture this as your Achilles tendon, all right, it's an mm. elastic band, and essentially that's kind of what we're we're talking about. Um, we can have this analogy of springs or elastics, right? Yeah. So, um, when you land, you get that stretching reflex right? That yep. stretching out of the Achilles tendon yep. and then, um, it's going to store that energy and bounce back, yep. right? So it's going to assist you. I'm not having to push these pencils back together. Um, it's, it's assisting back up against that because of the energy stored in the elastic band. Yeah. Okay. So that's your Achilles tendon. Now, if we, um, strengthen that up. Okay. Now I've got two elastics here. Okay. So I've yep. stiffened up that that tendon yep. um now for that same sort of oh um, nice yeah yeah you can see that it's it's going to give me that much more energy return okay because it's a stiffer spring stiffer elastic perfect and so that's what we're doing where i'm getting in the gym and lifting heavy is we're stiffening up those elastics um and and providing more energy return um, okay let stride to stride.
0: Amazing. So some people will be listening to this while they're running. So if you didn't see that, what that was with, with two pencils and two elastic bands, if you have two elastic bands, the stiffness is increased. That brings me on to the next question, which is, um, again, it's slightly off topic, but I guess uh, a lot of patients do ask me this, um, stretching the Achilles tendon. What do you advise? I know what I advise. <laughs>
1: yeah, Yeah. so, um, so static stretching is... Uh, You know, I I think I don't really advise static stretching, uh, at all. Um, and, and certainly not for the, the sagittal plane muscles. And by sagittal plane, I mean, um, the ones that are sort of in the the direction of running. So things like the Achilles or calf, uh, the quads, um, when we get into, um, out of plane muscles, um, and, uh, and perhaps, uh, you know, sort of getting up around the hip. Um, I think static stretching can have a role, um, and, uh, and sometimes it just feels good to, to stretch out some of those, um, muscles up around the, the hips and the glutes. Um, but you know, if, if we go back to that last band example, if I just, you know, stretch this out. And held it there right if i hold that elastic band there and keep stretching and stretching it we're going to lose some of that elasticity in that uh elastic band yeah or in that tendon which is exactly the opposite of what we want to do right yeah um so that's where you have to be a little bit careful um i think rather than focusing on stretching i, I focus on uh joint mobility uh, i think it's important to have good joint mobility um, again, not necessarily in that sagittal plane, um, but uh, but more if you're, um, you know, if you're feeling tightness or stiffness through the hips, um, as most, you know, high mileage runners would be familiar with, uh, um, you get that sort of stiffness and, and tightness around the hips, um, which can be uncomfortable, then I think um, doing some static, stre- static stretching around the hips is useful, um, but certainly doing dynamic stretching is where I would focus your attention um and and doing that uh before any sort of harder efforts um before races that sort of thing um and uh yeah rather than wasting your time on on static stretching
0: i think we're on the same page there's going to be some people who are absolutely shocked by this because um (laughs) static stretching is seems to be the panacea as we know so there are articles that have reviewed and asked runners um what do you think prevents injury and we know that the one of the number one um, things that people think prevent injury: uh, static stretching, and um, yeah, right up there with shoes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. I can,
1: I can also go on a random <laughs> We
0: can't. We can't forget the shoes. Um, we'll leave the shoes off the <laughs> for tonight <laughs> for this for this for this episode. But I think the key thing to think about is that energy return. Um, and I think you you for, from my perspective, um, similarly uh, to you, Chris. I just feel that we with our busy lives we can use our time so much more effectively um
1: let's get I, back i agree and i think that's really what it comes down to is uh is how much time do you have and if you've got time and it feels good uh to do some static stretching then by all means go ahead um but if you're looking for uh you know that to to reduce your um risk of injury that's something i think you're much better off doing some other things amazing so like strength training
0: Yes, let's get back to it. So you, you mentioned that um, we're getting there in terms of the research. Now, um, I love to learn from you on Twitter. So can you teach us and teach our listeners a little bit about maybe some of the, um, the research and why you feel that um, we are getting there slightly and in, in getting closer to that injury prevention by doing uh, strength training?
1: Well... I think all we can do is, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult as you know, um, to, to figure out, uh, why someone got injured. I think in some situations it's, uh, it's clear. Um, but there's so many variables. And so when we look across studies, um, there have never been studies that are large enough to really show, um, you know, definitively why people have gotten injured. Um, we know that there are probably some injuries that are due to biomechanical errors, uh errors. Um, some that are maybe due to tissue capacity issues. So not being strong enough for the loads being placed on them. Um, some might be due to uh, surface footwear, sudden changes in training, that sort of thing. Um, there's really so many things that can go into it. Um, And that's not even looking at uh, more nebulous things that are harder to measure like street, uh, sleep and stress and and that sort of thing. Um, So I don't think we're ever gonna really get definitive answers on those things. Um, But that being said, um, we do know, uh, you know, in in the case of certain injuries, um, having uh, stronger, having greater tissue capacity, um, by, you know, stronger tendons and, uh, ligaments and muscles, um, we're, our tissues can be more resilient. Uh, and so we're, we're less likely to get injured as a result. Um, whether the research will ever be able to kind of, um, show us in a simple, straightforward study that that's the case, I don't know. Um, but, uh, but certainly, um, I think strength training is, you know, starting to become more accepted. As um, as uh, an important part of your your running training.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think um, that energy return and person from personal experience that efficiency and um, the build up of capacity that will allow you. You know, I always I always tell people it's the analogy of like you know you don't want to be in your overdraft, so you want to have that that surplus. You want to be able to have the capacity to to run and feel um, that you're not exhausted or you're not, you're not as fatigued. And if we, if we are more economical, if we are efficient by doing some strength work, that, that will aid, 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 um, that injury prevention. Um, how heavy is heavy? How heavy would you, would you kind of, Wait, do you have a cutoff of, of how heavy you would prescribe, um, in terms of strength training?
1: Well, I mean, you need to be, um, know again if we're targeting tendons through heavy slow resistance training we're we're looking at um you know 70 to 80 percent of one rep max um and so you know if you're if you're doing uh three or four sets of an exercise um you should be doing three or four sets of six to eight reps uh where by the time you get to eight reps you're working very hard and uh and you may not be able to do you know one or two more um, so, you know, it, it's, uh, it's heavy and, um, and people are usually surprised at how heavy it is. Um, and, and the other thing is that runners aren't necessarily used to working out in the gym. Um, and so I think it's important to start off lighter and make sure you've got the movement. Um, you know, you can perform the movement safely and you've got someone maybe showing you how and, and watching you, uh, before you start to go that heavy, because, um, you know, it, it can be uh you can certainly end up with, with an injury if you yep. if you do lift too heavy um without being prepared for that movement. Um but yeah it's heavy and 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 usually I, I recommend performing it when you can on on a single leg uh at a time. Um and uh and so if you're going in, in one direction, if we're talking about a, a heel drop for instance, I recommend you know going up against the resistance with two legs uh and then taking one leg away and and dropping down with one uh and that way you can kind of work through the the full range of the movement slowly um and with maximal resistance
0: nice yeah i've i've um clinically had a few um episodes when i've had runners who were high mileage runners um or runners who were new to strength training um had done body weight training and yeah definitely had the experience of shock uh, when the next day they, they they were stumbling and and everything yeah. was tight um so if you are listening you know you don't usually do strength training please um as chris has, has advised start off lighter and um, with your weights. and um I, I definitely have experienced it and seen um, individuals and people who have said to me the next day i couldn't I couldn't move or couldn't walk and that muscle soreness was, um, a, a serious effect to, to their, to their few days, next few days after training. And, um, in terms of the process, when, when we do, we do that strength training, um, should we just talk about some of the like physiology? Cause I think it's sometimes really good for people to understand that. And we know clinically, if you understand something, you're, you're more likely to, to probably adhere to it and, and consistently do it. Um, Maybe, maybe can you kind of talk us through the the neuro the neural response um, uh, sometimes when we see these these um, these episodes of strength training. So sorry,
1: um, just so I understand the question. You... So so
0: like we we sometimes have that that initial recruitment um, from the nervous system, who which some people may not you know may, listening may not understand. So maybe we could talk through that process and, and...
1: yeah. So. Yeah, so I think, um, you know, initially, um, you can can have some initial gains in in strength, in force production, um, very quickly, when you start strength training, Um, and, and, you know, in the order of sort of one to two weeks, you'll see improvements, Um, and uh, and that's mainly due to the, you know, changes in um, your ability to coordinate and maximally recruit muscle fibers um, at a neurological level, um you're also going to be increasing um and improving blood supply to those uh, muscles and so that again is going to provide them with more oxygen and ability to um produce more force um so you'll see those kind of early on um but then you know it, it's important and I I really sort of try and emphasize this with my patients is that um you need to stick to that training program for a good 3 months to see true uh muscle hypertrophy so those those true strength gains from Mm. building bigger muscles or tendons um and uh and so you know when i start runners out on on these programs we start off slowly and conservatively just to make sure they've got these movements and they can integrate into their program um and then we really focus on um building into that high resistance um and then progressing that resistance as well um is key so making sure that they're continuing to um increase that stimulus. They don't, so they don't get to a level where, um, they've, they've increased some in strength and could lift more, but they're not challenging themselves as much. So we keep increasing the the resistance, um, up to, to three months and then we can start to, um, you know, have more as a, a maintenance program. And there is some good research that shows that, um, with even just one or two days a week, um, you can maintain good strength um, through heavy lifting, and so um, runners are much happier. So sort of, when they hear that, um, they can kind of they can squeeze yeah. that into their their yeah. training program, and especially if you're building for a, a particular race uh, or a season, um, you know it's it's good to kind of plan all that into your your schedule.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to kind of highlight because what what happens is people get get excited. They're like, "Ah, oh, I'm strong now, so I I'm done." Manny, I won't see. you. <laughs> I'm gone, Manny. I'm gone. Um, and then I try, you know, it's, it's trying to explain that, you know, you, you've got that extra recruitment. Your nervous system um, is 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 excited. It's fired up. But we still have time to build those muscle fibers and and the actual true hypertrophy, which is um, our analogy for and, and scientific term for saying that your muscles will will increase in size and bulk. Um, that takes the twelve weeks that Chris just uh, mentioned, and um, stick at it. That's what we're trying to say. Keep going. Yeah,
1: Once yeah it... make it part of your routine. Which yeah. is, you know, it's it's even harder now, obviously, with with COVID, um, and you know, depending on where you are in the world, um, access to to gyms and equipment and that sort of thing. Um, but again, I, I really emphasize keeping it simple, um, and uh, and you know, it's. As a clinician working through this, it's it's um, I've sort of had to come up with lots of different you know ways of doing these things at home, um, and and I've heard some really good uh, you know ways of doing this at home from from patients with things that they've figured out. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you have access uh, or you know you can order a, a, a barbell and some weights, yeah. um, I think that can be enough for for most things you need to do. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, I've got patients loading up backpacks with uh, whatever they can find around the house to, to yeah. add weight to their upper body while they do all these exercises but nice yeah <laughs> it's definitely. interesting trying, to, trying yep. to work on that right
0: now i've done some zoom calls and yeah that's what that's what we've utilized and um what's your thoughts on um maybe using some 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 maximal isometrics so isometric contractions are contractions where um, the joint doesn't move. So your your muscle is is producing a, a contraction and and tightening, but your your joints aren't moving. Um, do you have any thoughts on on that in terms of strength? You know, if we can't get to the gym.
1: Yeah, I think it's certainly something. Um, well, so so I think it can be very helpful, uh, and I often start off that way in um, when I've got someone who's dealing with an injury. Um, so if someone who's got more of an acute uh, Achilles tendinopathy and Mm. um, and they're very irritable and and not finding um, you know that they can do heel drops um, without really flaring up their condition. Um, I definitely go to isometrics yeah um, and I think that can be really really helpful uh, in those early stages. Um, I'm actually part of a study that's just getting going where we're sort of developing um, like a home program using isometrics and, and looking at that um, just to see exactly how well that uh, that can do for um, producing strength gains. Um, so I'll probably have to get back to you on that in a couple of years. But <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. <laughs> um, but I think it, I think there is there is promise for that for sure.
0: Great. So I'm, I'm going to put some isometric exercises on my Instagram because people may not know what they are. Um, so yeah. you can you can hopefully see those in the next few weeks. Um, actually, do you know what? Let's dig into the the, the the equipment because running has had very little equipment for a long time. Now we have carbon fibre plates and energy return foam. Now you're strong. Now you've been to the gym for 12 weeks. What are we doing with these um, new pieces of equipment? Are they the be all and end all? Are they amazing, Chris? Are they everything we need and want? <laughs> Well, should we you know, all it's, have it's a, one it's certainly it's a revolution
1: in in uh running technology for sure um and uh and I, I think there's there's really no doubt that it's uh had an influence on performance we've seen that at the um at the top levels and international levels uh with a number of records being broken over the last few years and and not only that but being smashed um really smashed and and uh So I think certainly um, there's a performance benefit to these new shoes. Um, You know, I'm not going to wade into the debate right now about uh, whether that's good for the sport or bad. I think, you know, that's uh, probably a a personal, you know, belief. Um, And I I think, you know, probably what's more important to our viewers is, is, uh, you know, what... How they should use that technology if they want to right because um, we don't have uh any good studies yet of you know what that may result um or how that may affect uh injury development um you know is, is there a risk to wearing these shoes um you know does it put more strain on certain tissues um does it uh does it make it soft (laughs) you know Mm. like if you're if you're doing all your training these shoes which I wouldn't advise just from a cost perspective (laughs) um, because I don't think the shoes are are built to to last a lot of mileage yeah um but you know if, if you are doing that um you know are we concerned about uh injuries from that I don't know the answer to that yet yeah um but uh but then also um you know, what does it do to your mechanics? And I think, yeah. you know, I've heard anecdotally and and myself uh, sort of, you know, from experiencing some of these shoes um, personally, uh, you know, one thing that seems to be consistent with these shoes is they all have higher platforms. So the yeah. mix hole's thicker. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when, when that happens, you've, you're basically putting yourself up on a, a raised platform and when you're running in a straight line, that's maybe not, perhaps, uh, too big a deal, but if you're, um, turning corners quickly, um, you know, that could put you a higher risk of ankle sprain. Uh, if you're running in trails, uh, your stability is going to be reduced. So, you know, there's, there's obvious things like that. Um, also with the carbon plate, it, uh, it's designed to make your foot more rigid. So you don't lose that energy through the, uh, the big toe joint. Um, But, uh, you know, that's going to change your mechanics in the foot and ankle as well. Um, and in some cases that might be a good thing, uh, for some people, I think I've certainly prescribed those shoes for people, um, who maybe have that, uh, uh, first MTP, um, you know, arthritis that you see, um, because it makes it more rigid and so you don't get that movement through there. Great. Mm -hmm. Um, for others though, it may, uh, increase, um, injury risk. So I, I think we may start to see um you know the research of the next year or two come out over that um where we have a bit more details of that but yeah i think um th- i think there there is some caution necessary um from using those shoes but i mean you know i like running them <laughs> yeah, tell
0: They're me about fast. it same here um i i did a training session today actually in them so yeah no i'm 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 pretty obsessed with them but i think um everything in in moderation i think uh, I, my rebuttal to that would probably be um something like the Addy boost um you know they were pretty low profile shoes and i had a, a few patients who came in with um really extensive calf pain um you know we we know that if you wear a certain shoe um consistently through your training that will change your mechanics that's why we do tend to uh, prescribe you know to advise to the the variation of footwear because that will change um, the 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 ground reaction forces um, and the exposure to to your to ground reaction forces depending the shoe and and what it does. So um, I completely agree with you. It's um, it's it's about us uh, making sure that we are giving um, patients the best advice possible um, and understanding. I think where the limitations are with each 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 piece of equipment. Um, and, and I think, you know, I started running in, uh, really flat shoes, like, you know, like something similar to the Adi, Adi boost and they had no really low profile and, and I would complain about calf pain. Uh, now I have no more calf pain, so I'm quite happy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, I think the, uh, the most important thing is that if you do make a change in your footwear, uh, You know, in any direction that you uh, do that gradually because, you know, those sudden changes we know can result in injury. Um, So, you know, if you're saving those shoes for race day, you may want to try them out, you know, a few times before that and and get used to them because it could be, um, it could certainly change your mechanics. um, And that, you know, can have performance benefits, but could potentially also increase your risk of injury.
0: Nice. Okay, let's move on. I think we um, so I've seen a new paper that you've just re- uh, produced and I've been a big fan of this so um, I work with some 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 runners and I, I talk about RPE rate of perceived exertion and I think it's such a useful tool because our lives are so busy are so hectic we have internal stresses external stresses so your internal stresses could be your working environment your family your um, Settings, social um, issues, stress—we all know those things can have an internal load, and we have external loads, which are, you know, the weather, the environment you're running in, um, who you're, you know, where you're running, um, footwear—we've talked about, um, and even, you know, I guess things like uh, your your nutrition. All these things all play a part, um, and I think rate of perceived exertion sometimes can be quite a useful um, tool and. You've just been doing some, some some research around it. Can you kind of tell the listeners a bit more about what you've been doing?
1: Yeah, so um, I've been working a little bit with uh, Max Paquette uh, at the University of Memphis, um, who, uh, if you're not familiar with him, he's um, a biomechanist, um, also uh, a, a coach uh, and a runner himself, um, and uh, and fellow Canadian, even though he's living down in uh, Memphis. <laughs> nice. Um and, uh, and so we've been sort of working on, you know, different sort of ways to measure training load. Um, and, uh, so we've now had, had three papers sort of come out in the last, uh, well, actually third one should be out, uh, in the next week or two, um, in the international journal of sports science and coaching. Um, but, uh, two papers studied already, uh, published already this year in journal of athletic training and in, uh, JOSPT um, on using RPE, um, to get a better overall sense of, um, training load or training stress. Um, and so, yeah, as you said, RPE sort of captures that internal load, which can be affected by things like sleep stress, um, you know, diet um all kinds of things uh can play into how you perceive um that uh external load and the external load being um sort of the uh the load um externally onto your body and so um you know typically runners just look at external load they look at mileage um you know they measure their um their weeks by how much mileage they've done um and you can you know always ask any runner you know how many miles or how many have you done the last week? Right, they can tell you. Uh, but that's really only capturing one part of uh, the stress that you're experiencing uh, when you're training. Um,
0: I always find and- it funny, also. Sorry when when people talk about mileage, they don't talk about how what ratio that mileage is. So how how much was that? Far, how fast was it, was was your fast in terms of you know. If your mileage was eighty kilometers, how many, how much of that kilometers were actually at high intensity, um, yeah. and and how much was it? You know, hill sprints, for instance, which I'm doing quite regularly, or we we, we tend to not quantify that that mileage in terms of quality, um, which is really yeah. important. Yeah, sorry, I'll let you. Carry well, on.
1: That, yeah, that's really where RPE comes in because um, you know that external load. Um, you know, you run, let's say, you run eighty kilometers a week. Um, you know, if you're doing, you know, 80 kilometers of easy running, you know, um, that's completely different than doing, yeah. uh, you know, 50 kilometers of easy running and 30 kilometers of, uh, interval work and Hills and that sort of thing, right? Different stimuli. And so the stress is going to be totally different. Um, and so, uh, you know, RPE is a way of measuring your physiological and psychological, um, uh, stress that relates to that load. And so, um, you know, if you're running again, those easy kilometers, that might be, um, you know, an RPE of, uh, of two out of 10 or three out of 10 when you're running those, but when you're doing the high intensity interval work, um, you might be getting up around seven or eight out of 10. And, uh, and so it gives us, when we combine those, um, it gives us a much better, um, score, if you will, for, for the amount of stress or training load on your body. Um, and you know, one of the easiest ways to do that is to, um, essentially multiply your external load by your internal load and end up with a a training score. And so, um, it's easiest to do that with duration. If you, uh, instead of doing miles, you can do time, you can do minutes. Mm. Uh, so a, a 60 minute run uh, at an RPE of two, uh, is going to be, uh, an, a training load score of 120. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a 60 minute, uh, run that includes, uh, a bunch of interval work in it. Maybe if you're doing a fart um, maybe an RPE of five. Um, now you're looking at a score of 300 for that run. Okay. So, um, I think it's important to, to make sure though, that you're, you you can compare within yourself, but not necessarily to others. I can't say, well, Manny, I did a, a, yeah. run a 300 today and you know, you only ran 200. So I, I worked you know, <laughs> I, I, I'm doing more than you, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's really a measure within yourself, um, and looking at change over time. So day to day and week to week, um, making sure that you're not, uh, you know, going up too fast, um, in that training mode. Um, nice. One of the papers uh, also looked at different ways of measuring that external load, um, and uh, and so what we found was that with you can measure time, uh, or you can measure steps. Uh, for instance, would be another way of uh, doing external load, which is going to be a bit more specific um, because you're basically then able to look at a per step load. Yeah. Um, or you could look at, at, um, biomechanical measures. And that's what we did as well. We looked at cumulative shock, which is essentially how hard you hit the ground with each step and then multiplying that by the number of steps. Um, and, uh, and from the preliminary analysis we did, um, we found that in some runners that was maybe more sensitive, um, to the external loads that they were experiencing, um, than looking at steps or time. Uh, and that's simply because, um, you're going to get different levels of shock when you're doing different types of work. So if you're running, um, downhill, for instance, it's going to be higher shock. Um, so your, your body has to, um, handle those higher loads that you're experiencing, with each step, or if you're doing speed work, it's gonna be higher shock. Um, or if you're running on different types of terrain, you might have, uh, different levels of shock. And so, um, you know, if you're running on the same surface, same speed, all the time uh, probably not really an issue and you can get away with just doing time or or duration Um, but if you vary your training a lot um, then you may actually get a better reading from cumulative shock which is pretty easy to measure with uh, some of the wearables out there on the market today
0: nice that's really um, taking it down to that nitty-gritty and that deep dive of um, really focusing in on yeah the steps would be Uh, quite yeah quite quite large detail Um, so from I I have witnessed and experienced with some runners they find counting and measuring things really really useful Um, but sometimes it can be to the detriment of overall performance because they're constantly measuring every training session so that's why I favor RPE. Tend to be type A. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I favor I favor RPE, and I find it really really useful. Um, um. Now, when, when so when we're using uh you know uh, that cumulative shock, are you using it in um, you know are you, are you calculating that for every session? Uh, did you do that in the study? Is is that what you 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 kind of use it every study, yeah, every study, session and then in the week?
1: Um, We basically got a cumulative shock, which is just the, um, you know, uh, it's measured in G-forces. So if you hit the ground um, at, uh, let's say, 10 Gs is the the force of hitting the ground, Um, and you take, uh, you know, 5,000 steps in your run, uh, the cumulative shock is going to be 50,000 Gs. For that run, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, so we we were able to measure that. Basically, uh, we used uh, the Run Run Scribe sensors. Okay, um, and on the app, it pops up. You know, at the end of your run, perfect. Your yeah, cumulative shock. So very easy to measure that for sure. Yeah. Um, and uh you know whether we know that yeah i mean we don't want to get too deep into whether that's um going to be important for injury prevention that sort of thing because there needs to be a lot more work done in that area before we could say that um but it certainly gives you a, a more granular um look at the amount of uh load that you've placed on your body externally um but as you say the internal load is is really important um and uh and I think it's also a nice way for a runner to kind of reflect on how hard they went in that run. You know, it's essentially asking how, how hard was that was that effort yep. uh, globally for that run, you know. And, and, uh, and sometimes you are meant to go for an easy run. Your coach prescribes you a nice, <laughs> yeah. easy recovery run and you I've get back. Yeah. And if you reflect on it, you go, well, that should have been a two, but it actually felt more like a five. Yeah. And i think that's a really important reflection because you know it may signal that either you've got other stuff going on in your life you know you're not sleeping well you're stressed or whatever uh, or you're overtraining perhaps um and so i think uh when that doesn't match up uh to the prescribed effort um you should be sort of uh raising some flags around that
0: yeah definitely um and what I, I think would be quite interesting, here's a research, uh, hopefully something you can do. And I think would be really interesting is if you put somebody on a strength program for 12 weeks and see and, and, and actually looked at how their RPE and um, um, the, the kind of G-force and that, that, that score changed during a strength program, I think it would be quite interesting. So uh, hopefully, yeah. hopefully you'll come up with that study.
1: yeah yeah that's uh no I mean I think that would be interesting to look at that um and uh yeah just looking at changes in in RP score um of course it's you know it's always your it's your perception right and your perception changes um over time as well um you know as you become more fit you'll find that uh harder workouts um might become easier um which is either a sign of, you know, you need to make them harder or you need to be sort of working harder um, on those those workouts.
0: Yeah, I, I hold it a quite high regard simply because I think, um, depending on your training history, so just say two weeks prior to, to, to a run, uh, for instance, as a run today, if you have been consistently training well, your run today, no matter the, the prescribed run, just say it's an easy run. You may run slower, but your RPE is obviously higher because of that, experience you've had over the last two the previous two weeks so for, from my perspective I, I always try and talk to people about how the RP is almost sometimes king because it, it it's giving you an idea of what you've been through how you've matured over the, the most recent period of time um so just just an insight there to, to how I use it in in clinic and and why I do hold it a quite high regard um Um,
1: Yeah. And I I think, um, it's important to practice at it as well. I think, uh, because it does take some practice to kind of, um, figure out what a, what a two is to you or, you know, a four or a six. Um, you know, I, I had some people early on in the study, um, you know, or elsewhere where, um, they've run a marathon, um, and they, they rated the effort as a 10. Um, but to me, a, a 10 is like, you know, when I'm doing hard intervals, I yeah. could never maintain a 10 over a marathon. Right? Yeah. Um, and so I think getting getting used to sort of how you describe those efforts is is key. Um, and again, not getting caught up of, on sort of comparing between people, um, yes. but more sort of within your own self. Um, I found that the biggest problem with it, uh, and I've heard this from others, is just compliance. Um, so, you know, you, with running nowadays you've got your your gps watch you get home it tells you your time distance pace how many steps you took what your heart rate was all these sort of things right um uploads it to you know your training log and strava and and you're good um rpe requires you to actually think about and then you know input it somehow you know running it down a log or whatever and then sort of tracking that over time um we haven't figured out uh an objective measure of RP, which is kind of the point, right? Mm. Um, But, uh, but as a result, it does um, have some problems with uh, compliance.
0: I hear you. So here's the last question. Um, Where do you see uh, advancements in running? Where do you see um, maybe something that, um, you know, we haven't seen, or is there anything that you know of that, you know, you're really excited about that maybe isn't in the, you know, in, in, in the, in the media at the moment?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, runners, uh, for a, for a simple sport, um, runners have always embraced technology. Um, and I think, um, that goes, you know, maybe because it is such a simple sport, um, you know, uh, you look at something like baseball and they obsess over the statistics, um, yeah. you know, around every, every aspect of the game. Right. Um, and in running, I think, um, because it's such a simple, uh, activity, um, you know, and, and, runners personalities, as we mentioned, are sort of that, that type a wanting to analyze and, and, uh, understand things, um, and can be obsessive over, you know, small details. I think technology is, is, uh, you know, a big drawing card for a lot of runners. And, um, we certainly seen that in footwear recently. Um but uh I think um you know runners have embraced uh wearable technology from the start, um going back to using heart rate monitors, um and then of course GPS watches. Um, you know, most runners uh are very familiar with both of those uh these days. Uh, I think where we're going now, and you see it with some of these um accessories that uh you can sync up with your smartwatch, you can um add a, a foot pod or uh a uh, wearable um, that goes around your waist that can kind of measure things like impact, vertical oscillation, stride length, um, ground contact time, all these sort of biomechanical variables that, um, you know, previously were only available in a, a lab situation. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of variability in terms of the quality of what's out there and, and how, how much you can trust those metrics that are being um, uh, outputted by these devices. But, you um, the hardware certainly is improving. And I think the, uh, the algorithms that go into computing those is also improving. Um, and so I think we're going to start to see more wearable technology built into, um, footwear, clothing, that sort of thing. Um, specifically for runners that can give us, uh, even more data about our runs, <laughs> um, <laughs> Excited. whether it's useful or not, but yeah. I think, um, it will be there for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably where I see things going in the near future. I, I don't know if I see any um, massive changes in, um, you know, the way we train or that sort of thing, uh, mm. but I could be wrong there.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. That was really, really good. I think um, we've got some real takeaway points, you know, strength training we know is something that we need to utilize. Um, you're in shock. I know. We talked about stretching, and we both do not prescribe it as, as physios, as physiotherapists and physical therapists. We we feel that um, we could use our time with you more efficiently. Um, and I would say that I agree with Chris. If you are going to stretch an area, um, maybe you would be stretching your hips, especially if you're desk based, and 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 so on. Um, use your rate of perceived exertion. So, how hard a session is. Use that to your benefit. So try and record that. Uh, training logs. We're going back old school. Get your diary diary out. I bet you've got a few training logs. Have you got a few? Yeah, I do, I do. Yeah,
1: I've got <laughs> the old, you know, pen and paper ones. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now it's all online. But yeah,
0: old I might school. go back. Uh, nice, a few nice. <laughs> yeah. I I use the I use the digital only. I'm 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 a no paper man. Um, and lastly, yeah, some wearable technology. That's that's um, that's what Chris does and um chris if people want to find you where can they find you um have you got uh, um, yeah, media easiest would
1: be probably on on twitter um at runner physio is my uh my handle there um that's probably the best place if you want to sort of keep up on what i'm doing uh from a research perspective
0: exciting um, so we brought you some science on this episode. We brought you the man himself, Chris Napier. Um, I'm excited to run London with you next year. I feel like it's going to happen. Um, I think it's going to be exciting. And I think it's going to be one for the record books, one for the ages. Um, by the way, Chris, before we go, I have one last request. So on this podcast, we end the podcast with a song choice you can choose the tune and we're going to play that tune out at the end of the podcast so what what are you going to choose you you look nervous don't worry no (laughs) No, you don't have to sing well you could do you could do you could you could make it something new but um no i'm joking let's tell me what it is and i'll play a 10 second snippet um to end the podcast um, yeah. So, what would you like to end the podcast with? What song would
1: you? Well, uh, one of my favorite all-time running tunes is uh, "Where the Streets Have No Name." Okay. You
0: too. Perfect. So we'll be playing "Where the Streets Have No Name." I have been Manny. This has been Chris on the Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast. Chris, thank you so much for coming on.
1: Thanks so much. Okay.
0: All right, go check that track out. I've been Coach Manny. This has been the Running Lifestyle Coach a Culture Podcast. I will see you again with some new topics of discussion. Coach Manny out. Peace.